Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, and then Acts 1, verse 5. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, amen, somewhat, and with fire. The Holy Ghost and with fire. And John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Amen? I'm so grateful that John baptized with water, but I'm more grateful that Jesus baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen? That I know that I'm in the church of the living God set ablaze, and we should be emboldened by that, and we should be on fire for God. We don't have time for sleepy church. Amen? We do not have time for sleepy church. It's like the, the pastor that walked up to the man that fell asleep in church and he elbowed the man's wife and said, wake him up. And she said, no, you wake him up. You put him asleep. I, we don't have time for that. We've got to go, folks. We have to, we have to go after the Lord with all of our might. And I, I just want to give you a little bit of understanding from the Word of God today that there is a difference in that scripture that says Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost is hagios in the Greek. Fire is pyre. So it's not the same thing in the Greek. But the Lord gives a symbolic reference of water and fire for the Holy Ghost in Scripture. But I want to show you something today that's really unique. And it may be just me looking at the Scripture. And I, I've studied this out. i prepared this for you. And I believe that God is going to touch us and bless us with this word. But I want to just tell you that we not only need the Holy Ghost, we need the fire in our life. Amen. That fire tries to go out all the time, but I want to tell you that we can build it up. Amen. We can stir it up again. Amen. I'm so grateful for the fire that's in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, that I've been touched by that fire and that you're purifying my life, that you're going to bring me forth as pure gold, Lord God, that everything that is in my life is always going to be touched by the fiery trials of life. But there's a greater fire. Amen. There's a greater fire. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful that I'm lit up on that day that you filled me with the Holy Ghost. But I'm also thankful that I know that I got to encourage those flames every day. In Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Dean. Tremendous job. I appreciate you very much. Amen. I, I want to talk to you about something very interesting in the scripture, and that is the fire of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, whenever you talk to most people, they would tell you that the world is made up of material things, that it's who you know, it's how much money you have, it's what you drive, where you live, that gives you influence, that gives you power, that gives you, you know, authority. But in this church, when you begin to meet people that understand the Word of God and they're Christians, we know that it's not just material, but there are spiritual things at work. That the, the world that we live in is actually the representation of a spiritual world at work. 
In other words, that we, we understand that what is revealed comes from the spiritual that is not revealed unless we are praying people. Everybody say praying people. So the fire that we see in the scriptures comes from old references. In fact, it starts with the light in Genesis, the beginning. And we know that the sun and moon and stars were not built or made or generated or whatever you want to say. They were not breathed and spoke out by God and created till the fourth day of creation. So that light, that original light that we understand was God. Amen. For he is pure light. Is that, are you with me? So we're in Genesis. And now we understand that when, we were, when you move through Scripture, that God gives a revelation of that light. He gives a further revelation of who he is. And so last night, when I, I want to talk to you about fire, I started thinking about this sermon, and I realized that I was doing something that we often do in the church, and that was I was in my backyard, and I was blowing leaves toward the fire. My wife started the fire. Thank you, Sarah, for starting the fire. But she didn't start the fire, but it's all, no, sorry, that's a bad reference. <laughs> what, a few of you got it. She started the fire, and she had to go somewhere, and so she comes up, she taps me on the shoulder, I'm, I'm plugged into earbuds, and I'm listening to some fun Christian music, um, and I'm just working away, she taps me on the shoulder, she said, hey, I gotta go, there's a poker there, and there is a rake there, keep the fire going. <laughs> Don't let the fire go out. And it's starting to rain a little bit. And I'm like, because I'm cleaning off all the leaves and all the stuff that our dog leaves behind that we miss. So I'm cleaning off the whole backyard. It's going to be really green next year. Don't worry. It's, it's going to be it's going to be lovely lawn. So I'm blowing away and I'm, I'm busy. I'm working. I'm and I look back at the fire every once in a while and it's still going and it's all right. And and I'm like, it's good, it's good, it's going to be all right. I'm going to get done with this, and then I'll go encourage the flame. Well, because it was raining, the fire started going out faster than I expected it to. Has anybody ever had a fire go out on you and then try to start it again? Ah, oh, it's so difficult. And so the problem is I was doing something good, but I wasn't doing the best thing, which would have been to leave what I was doing, go and build the fire, come back to what I was doing, and keep on going back and building the fire so that the fire was strong when I got back to it. But instead, I was too focused on what I was doing. That's a picture of the church today. We're, we can become so focused on what we're doing that we forget to go and encourage the fire of the Holy Ghost in the church, that we can get so busy doing good things, amen, Sister Carly, good things, but we're not doing the best thing, which is keeping the fire burning. You've got to set down all of the classes sometimes. You've got to set down all of the routines and all of the regulations and all the stuff that we do and all the times you've got to be here and all the stuff that we set up and say, this is the way we do church, and you've got to set all that down sometimes, and you just have to break out into a prayer meeting. You have to break out into a place where you give time for people to spend at the altar where they can encourage the flame in their life, where they can get back to the point of building the fire that they need that encourages their life. Amen? And that fire is so important. So of course, what did I do? Whatever any good red-blooded American would do. I walked over to the fireplace and I turned on the blower at high and just... It's not really a good sound. I, I can't do a blower very well. Man, did that fire take off. I've got a video of it, but I didn't bring it with me. But it was crazy. Just 
everything that was dead because the wind of God hit. Oh no, the wind of my windblower hit it. It it took off and suddenly I was piling stuff on top and just blowing it with the leaf blower and the flames were so encouraged. They just, it was an amazing bonfire. It was amazing, but you just leaf blower, lighter, combustibles. That's, that's all you need. I mean, what guy is not happy in the backyard with those three things? But it encouraged me to know that sometimes we need to encourage the flame. And if you let it die, you might need more than what you can do to get it going again. You might need more than what you can encourage to get your encouragement back. You might need to do more than what you personally know, know in your mind to do. So when you go to the Lord, it's like him turning on a leaf blower on what's trying to go out. He will not put it out, but he will make it stronger. He will make the fire grow. Amen, somebody. And there's something beautiful about that because Leviticus 1 in, in verse chapter 1 all, all the way through that whole chapter, you see, and the Lord spake and called Moses. And when he's talking to Moses, he's telling him to say things to the people. And then the second verse, he tells them who he's talking to. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, if any man, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd, of, of the flock. And he's going through and he's letting them understand that whenever you want atonement for your sin, you're going to need to bring something that has life in it that's going to need to die as a substitute for you. Not because God has a bloodlust. In fact, the enemy has a bloodlust. But God was saying, in also, also in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. What he was saying is, your death is your responsibility that was supposed to happen in the garden, but because there was animal skins on your body when you left the Garden of Eden, there was somebody that died in your place. That's where the animal substitute started, but it wasn't sufficient. It was not full. It could not provide full um, restitution. So all they were doing was rolling their sins ahead and they rolled all of those sins all the way up to the cross to the Lamb of God came. Aren't you glad we have a lamb that was sufficient? Amen. And so when you get back to the verses, he's actually going through. You can leave those up there for me. Thank you. He's actually going through and he's saying, if you have the money to bring a bullock, bring a bullock. If you have the money to bring a lamb, you should bring a lamb. But if you don't have enough money, it's not because you're not going to go to hell. You're not going to be cast out. Bring either a, a, something of the flock. Bring, bring a bird or bring, bring a um, pigeon or whatever you have, you can bring it. So he goes through and he says, if the offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a meal without blemish. Be, he shall offer it of his, own of his own voluntary will. In other words, if you're going to have atonement for your sin, you can't begrudgingly be dragging your sacrifice to the altar. Amen? Somebody preach with me right there. You can't do it because somebody encouraged you to do it or someone tells you you have to do it. You have to come voluntarily with your sacrifice. Amen? Stay with me. We'll get to this. And at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Go on to the next verse. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. He said, bring the offering and then put your hand upon his head, and it shall be killed, and it'll be the atonement for your sins. You won't die. The animal will die. Your sins will be rolled ahead. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest. Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about the altar and that 
that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Go to the next verse. This is important for you to know. Please notice. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. This is what they did with the bullock. They did different things with the different animals and the son of Aaron's and priests shall put the fire upon it. Everybody say fire. Upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. In other words, they started the fire first. Everyone say the fire first. Fire is likened today to prayer. I'm liking fire to prayer. When you pray, you light the fire, amen? Before you bring a sacrifice, before you do anything, you need to learn how to pray, amen? Because your prayer is what consumes the sacrifice. Your prayer life, bringing the fire from heaven. That's what you need to do first, is call down fire from heaven through your prayer life. And it makes the sacrifice fruitful. And so then the priest and Aaron's sons shall lay parts of the head and fat and all those different things. And then it gives them instructions go on to verse 9 and he tells them what to do with the different parts of the animal and that you shall burn it on the altar to be burnt sacrifice an offering what does it say an offering made by fire that is what we still need to do that when we bring an offering to God, it has to be made by fire. Fire is what we pray down from heaven. Fire is our prayer life. Fire is what keeps us excited. But our sacrifice has to be made by fire. If you've ever given anything and given it begrudgingly, I'm sorry, but the Bible tells us you're supposed to give it willingly. And then you're also supposed to give it with a fire in your life, with something that you've called down from heaven, something that you have in your life. And the offering will be, if the offering be of flocks, namely of sheep or goats, the burnt sacrifice, and he goes back through it and he says, it needs to be without blemish. You need to bring something that's worthy of the God that you serve. Amen. David said, I'm not going to give the Lord anything that doesn't cost me something. It, it may have cost you something to be here today. It may have cost you a relationship. It may have cost you something that you have that you didn't want to give up, but you're still here. You're still worshiping your God, and God sees that, and God knows your prayer life, and he knows the fire that's in your life, and he knows how much you love him, and he's willing to honor that. So the burnt sacrifice he may bring the male without blemish, go on the next verse, and he shall kill it on the, on the side of the, the altar north, northward before the Lord, and the priest and the Aaron's sons shall sprinkle the blood round about the altar. You get the point that he's just going through and he's giving them instructions. Go on to 12, and he shall cut into pieces, and then he gives them these specific instructions and tells them to put, them, put it on the fire. In verse 13, he tells them again, and the offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. That the Lord enjoys that offering. The Lord loves the offering. And I want you to know that in the scripture, when it talks about Holy Ghost and fire, I believe it's talking about something that calls back to the old days where we not only have are filled with the Holy Ghost, but that we're also supposed to bring something that the Lord loves, that he savors, not only in our worship, but in our prayer life, that we need to have a place where we can foster the fire because what you need to understand is the fire in our life is cyclical. Not only does the fire produce the anointing or the atonement, but it also produces the anointing in our life. Because when God fell on this sacrifice and he, he atoned for their sins, he also came with his anointing. Do you understand what I mean by that? That means God's presence would enter into the tabernacle and he would fill the place and his Shekinah would come down and God would be honored by the sacrifice and their sins would be rolled ahead. So the atonement was made by fire. And the anointing was also made by fire. Verse 9 says made by fire. Verse 13 says made by fire. 
Verse 17 says made by fire. Verse 4 says the atonement, the word Paul in the original Greek. It's the same thing used in the Catholic Church when they put a white Paul over a casket at a service because they, it's called a cover, or Paul is, means cover over. It comes from the original word hithpiel, which means to be covered. In other words, what would happen here is whenever they would bring their sacrifice, God's atonement would take place when they burnt it or when they made it with fire, and it would create a covering for their life. Amen, somebody. Anybody want a covering from God over your life? Anybody excited about the fact that you don't have to think of everything that on rainy days, he's covering you. On strong days, you're still in his covering. Amen? I'm thankful that I know how to get to the Lord in prayer and to make a sacrifice with fire. Again and again, he talks about an offering made by fire as of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And I believe it calls back to the early days where he's trying to let his people understand that only atonement can bring anointing. Only atonement can bring the true anointing of God and both are done. Everybody say by fire. We're made by fire through prayer. We have to pray down the fire again. Remember that there is nothing more important than having a church that is on fire for God. And I can't do it by myself. I can't preach you into that. You've got to pray that into your life. You've got to pray past the things that are trying to, to, to slow you down. Pray, pray past the things that are trying to make you lukewarm. You have to pray past all of it and stay in the fire of God. Because the truth of the matter is, we take on the temperature of our environment. And if you don't stay in the fire, you will not be anointed. Because you have no atonement. And you have no anointing. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I have a cup of coffee. I know, right? I don't drink coffee. But this coffee came out of that coffee pot over there really hot. And right now, it's the same temperature of the room. This is what happens to you when you don't go near the fire. If I put this back on a burner, I can warm this back up to where it's boiling. But the second I take it off, it stops bubbling. And it slowly starts to move back to the environment which it is, it is in. If I put this cup in a freezer, this water inside this cup is going to go to the temperature of that freezer. So... You have to understand that the Holy Ghost may be filling you. But when you leave here, I know I've used a cup illustration so many times. I apologize. <laughs> this is what the Lord gave me, so this is what we're going to go with. You can have the mic a different Sunday, okay? I got the mic this Sunday. But what happens whenever you leave the presence or the fire of God is you start to take on the same temperature of the environment that you walk into. And some of you walk into very difficult workplaces. Some of you walk into very difficult family situations. And what can happen to you is you can become a thermometer for the things that are going on around you. You can move to the temperature of your environment instead of taking on a constant situation of going before the fire of God, praying the fire of God into your life so that you are not lukewarm but that you're warmed up by the power of God and that you live with a constant state of encouragement and anointing and power and strength. That you're not looking to your environment to determine your temperature. Amen? 
but you become a thermostat that sets the temperature everywhere you go. That when you walk into an environment, you change the environment because you're coming with a prayer life that's hot and on fire. That you have spent time in the presence of the Lord and you've put yourself on Him and you've rested your life on Him. And every time you step into a place where there's a bunch of negative people, you're the one positive ion that showed up in the room. Amen? Every time you step into a situation that looks hopeless, you're the hope that just showed up because you've been in the presence of the one who can do anything. Amen? And that's what it means when it says the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what it truly does mean to me is that you're not only full of the Holy Ghost, but you're spending time in the fire, in the presence of God, that you actually are taking responsibility for your temperature. You're taking responsibility for the temperature of the places you walk into. And you're saying, I don't want it to be like this here. I, it doesn't have to be like this wherever I go. I'm going to put my foot down and take dominion wherever I step. And I, I'm going to be the thermostat, the change changes the environment. I don't know if it helps you to know this, but God always uses people that are willing to take what they have and put it to work. Amen? So I want to let the fire of the Holy Ghost touch my life and be changed by that fire. Not only was it atonement, but it was also anointing. The fire burned in the tabernacle because of the oil that was in the menorah, the lamp of God. Those seven candlesticks, the pure virgin oil pure olive oil and the bible tell, told them what to do but there was also something else that was in the tabernacle and that was called the anointing oil maybe you haven't experienced or been taught on the anointing oil but let me give you just a couple of minutes of teaching are you okay everybody okay today all right the anointing oil was the oil that the apothecary would take in his art and would generate and they would take that anointing oil. it was very beautiful it was very beautiful because what they did is once they made the oil, the apothecary, they would go and they would anoint all the furniture that was in the house of God in order to say that this is sanctified. This is set apart for the work of the kingdom. There's nothing else that happens in here except for glorifying the Lord God. And they would anoint everything. They would anoint the table of showbread. They would anoint everything in the, in the tabernacle and in order that it was consecrated unto the Lord. But if you look at the anointing oil, you can think how beautiful that is, how, how amazing that, that, that actually is, that, that they would take that as a ministry to God and they would anoint every piece of furniture in the house and anoint everything. But you have to understand that it doesn't, the anointing oil, the, the, the oil that they generated was more solid than it was actual liquid when they first created the compound. The apothecary would pull together the different components and it included this, one hen of the purest olive oil. That was about a gallon and a half of oil. He would pour that in. And then 500 shekels or 16 pounds of myrrh. Everybody can start doing the math in their heads, all the mathematicians. And then 250 shekels, which is about eight pounds of sweet cinnamon. And then 250 shekels or about eight pounds of calamus. And then 500 shekels or another 16 pounds of cassius. In other words, you had 48 pounds of solid spices and one and a half gallons of oil. That doesn't flow. That is not emblematic of the Holy Ghost, amen? That is just a bunch of ingredients in one big vat. That's all it is. It doesn't, you can't anoint anything with that. 
But what they would do is they would pulverize or they would beat down those different spices and then they would put it on the fire, amen? And the fire would begin to purify it and the fire would begin to burn it down and that oil would take on an aroma that pleased God and they would begin to work on it. And the art of the apothecary was not only just to create the oil, but he would, he would also put in all those spices and he would, he would look at it and watch it until it was to the perfect consistency and then he would take it out and let it cool, but he would then go and anoint all the furniture in the place and the ark of the, and the tabernacle would not smell like the sacrifices of death. It would actually smell like a beautiful place, an aroma. There was aromatherapy in the house of God. Hello, somebody. The, the original essential oil, okay? <laughs> Some of y'all went, praise Jesus. I love my essential oils. So what they would do is they would take this and they would anoint everything and that apothecary would not only be the one that did the sacrificing, but when they went in and washed their hands after sin and death had been taken care of, there was an aroma and a beauty of worship, an aroma and a beauty of praise, an aroma and a beauty of consecration in the house where they knew that this was the place where God met with them. And there was the table of showbread, which represented God's presence and God's ability. It represented the light was in the candle that was a different oil that was pure olive oil but nonetheless that light shined on the showbread and the revelation of of that is that the light of God in the tabernacle is what gives us revelation of the word of God amen and so the illumination of Hebrews that Hebrews talks about is the power of God but also the anointing oil that they used to anoint everybody so last Thursday we had our prayer meeting and we anointed every piece of furniture in this place because I just wanted to do it, and I really felt that God was telling me to do it because the fire still works, amen? So not only did the atonement happen because of the fire, but when you come back to the created oil that kept the lights burning, they had to do that, and they had to anoint, and the things that anointed the house of God was done with fire. I want to just tell you for a minute that the fire is what makes the oil flow. The fire is what took a solid and made it a, a liquid so that they could anoint the house. And sometimes we get here and we don't feel much fire. Sometimes we get here and we don't feel much going on. But if we'll stir up the gift, as, as Paul told Timothy, if we'll stir up the gift that lieth in us, we can begin to see that fire germinate and that fire get, get uh, strong. And, and in that doing so, and in doing that, we can see that God will begin to flow. His anointing begins to flow in the place. Amen. So our atonement and our anointing is wrapped up in the fire. There's nine Bible verses that talk about us being the priests throughout Scripture. Isaiah 61 and 6, But you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat of the wealth of nations, their riches you will boast. Revelations 1 and 6 says, And he has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to his God and Father, to whom, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelations 5 and 10, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Exodus 19 and 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the son of his, sons of Israel. Scripture gives us plenty of beautiful scriptures in the Old Testament, but look what it says in the New Testament about the church that we are a part of. But ye are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a people for God's own possession. Everybody say priesthood. 
a people for God's own possession, that show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous what? Light. First Peter 2 and 5 said, ye also as living stones and being built up as the spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you glad we can offer up spiritual sacrifice? Are you glad we can pray and see the fire of God come down? Amen. There was an interesting thing that happened in the early days of the Greek society. They would have a race where they would light torches and they would run. But the fastest runner was not the winner of the race. Or they didn't have the kind of incendiary things that we have when we light a torch at the Olympics where they fire an arrow across that the across the big lantern and because of the gas that's up there it just ignites. But they had more primitive ways of, of holding fire and they were all given a torch and when the race began they had to get to the end of the race with the torch still lit. It wasn't who got there first. It was who got there with their torch still lit, that one. And we have to do the same in the kingdom of God. Revelations 3, 15 through 16, it says some very scathing words, and, I, and I'm thankful for them because it reminds me to keep doing the things that I need to do to please the Lord. Even though Hebrews says, call into remembrance the former days where there was fire and there was anointing and there was things. This, this says, I know thy works. I want to say works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. I would rather you be either one or the other. And then verse 16 says, so then because thou art lukewarm or because you've taken on the temperature of the environment that you're in, because you've become what you're around in this world, I will spew you out of my mouth because you're neither cold nor hot because you haven't spent time in the fire I will spew you out of my mouth. You can't be both, brothers and sisters. You can't be either one. Go back to 15. I want to show you something. It says, I know thy works. That word in Greek is ergon, which means your acts, your things done. No, we're not saved by works. I understand that. We're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Amen. We are saved by faith through grace. I understand that. And that faith process is worked out in us doing something with it. Amen. So our faith walk does have works in it, not because we do works to be saved, but because we believe in God. We do works unto redemption. In other words, Faith may get you an understanding of who God is, but your works, what you do after that, steps you into the kingdom of God. So whenever you have faith in God, that's lovely. I'm grateful that we have faith in God. I'm grateful that we can pray, but it's not until you say, I believe the word, I'm gonna do it, and step into the baptism tank, or you step into a prayer meeting and you say, I want the Holy Ghost. I wanna do what the scripture says, because it's more important that you go to heaven than anything else on this planet, amen? 
And so we understand scripture tells us, except you're born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter it. What is the works it's talking about? It's talking about the works of redemption where you partner with God to apply what he's already purchased for you. Yes, his victory is already there. Yes, salvation is already there. It happened at the cross and when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room and they spoke in tongues and they were feeling God and they spread out into the city and they broke out of that place and they started being just acting out what God had put in them. And they said, these men are drunk. They're truly drunk. And he said, they're not drunk on wine, as you suppose, but they're filled with the Holy Ghost. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and dream dreams. And he was talking about the spirit of God, the fire that falls. He was talking about the things that change our life, not us making good decisions, but the works of redemption that we apply to our life. I don't care how much paint you have in your garage. It's not going to paint your house till you open it up and start painting it on the house. Same thing is true with the redemption of God. He has bought us a covering, amen. He's bought us a Paul. He's bought us the ability to be under his blood, but you will not have it applied to your house until you get it out and get in that baptism and go down in the name of Jesus until you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, amen. For Romans tells us that we cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless we're born of water and of spirit. And I'm thankful it is a heaven thing. We need to get right to go to heaven. And no, I don't celebrate sin. I cannot celebrate sin. I will not like your party on Facebook. I will not go with you to something that is an environment that's going to cool down what's in this cup because I need the Holy Ghost in my life. I need the fire burning. I cannot celebrate what came from sin and I cannot celebrate the sin itself. But we need to sacrifice it outside the tent. Then we need to come in and say, God is gracious. God is merciful. Thank God he's still in our life. Amen, somebody. I wish I had some help to preach today. I can't celebrate the sin. Doesn't mean I'm not going to celebrate you when you come back to God. Doesn't mean I'm not going to say thank God for the blood that covers it. But I can't celebrate it. I have to celebrate the fire of God, and I don't want to change who I am and what's in me. I don't want to take the beautiful things that are in me. I don't want to take what's sanctified and put it in a world of sin. Amen, somebody. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm just saying there are some things that God has done in my life that he's burnt out of me that I'm not going to throw back in and destroy what he's already purified. I've walked away from it. So my acts, the things done, I know your works. Well, they're all, you're not cold or hot. You're just going back and forth. You come into church, hot. Go out into the world, cold. Doing whatever the world does. Look just like the world. Come back to church, hot. Go out into the world, do whatever the world does. God doesn't want that from us, brothers and sisters. God doesn't want us to live a life that's half in and half out. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. It'll never work. Sooner or later, it will tear you apart. You have to get all in. You have to have some congruency with the message that you're living. You have to be able to say, I'm not going to create some sort of conflict within my own mind, but I'm going to live my whole life for God. I don't care who else doesn't. I don't care who else gets it wrong. I don't care who else gets it right. His blood is too precious to me. This word is too precious to me not to live it.
I got to put both feet in the church. You'll never have fire on your life. You'll never have fresh anointing on your life till you put both feet in the church. Amen. Till you understand that God doesn't hate you. God's not judging you. He loves you from the core of love. He does everything he does from love, but he does things that have to be understood and he will not endorse bad works. He will not endorse it. He said, I know your works. I know what you've done. If you don't take it to the cross and put it under the blood, you're going to be standing in this same place someday. He's going to say, I know your works. I wish you would have covered them. I had a sacrifice for you, but you didn't. And because of that, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That thou art, the word I-E comes in there, I, which is second person passive in the in the Greek, it means that you are. In this one verse, please put the verse back up. Literally, it says that I know your acts and what you've done. And thou art, that word art right there means who you are. I don't know how many places in the scripture it says that I didn't get a chance to parse all the different passages of scripture for this, but we like to say that you're not what you do. You're not what you do, and that is true to some degree. But in this scripture, God is saying at the end of days, you are what you do. That you need to put it under the blood. I know this got harsh. I apologize. We need to lighten this up. Tell a joke, Pastor. How many of these hard scriptures he's going to have? <laughs> this is the truth of God's word. And I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you to go to heaven. And one day he's going to look at your works and he's going to judge them. And I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You don't think I don't wrestle with the fact that I'm responsible for you when you get to heaven? I got to give a report for all of you. You think I don't wrestle with that when I see some things that people do and some things that people, you know, I, I'm not going to comment on it. I'm not going to watch your posts and make sure that I'm hurting everybody the right direction. Pastor, did you know what they did? Pastor, do you know what? No, I'm not going to go chasing after people that don't want to live for God. But if you want to live for God, I'm going to do everything in my power, in my heart, in my prayer life to help you get to heaven. But if you don't want it, I can't make you want it. You lead a horse to water, can't make them drink. And yes, people do hurt other people in the church. Hurting people hurt people. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that there are Christians that are nothing more than hypocrites. I'm sorry for that. But, but here in my heart, I'm making sure that I'm not a hypocrite and we should all do the same. Amen. Do everything we can to keep it under the blood. And so he said, I'll cast you out because you're lukewarm. Which from the Greek word means to fluctuate. And metaphorically, it means the condition of your soul. One minute you want, the next minute you don't. One minute you say, I love you, God. The next minute you're loving the world. There are two spirits in scripture. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And the spirit of truth, we know, is that light, that Jesus Christ is that spirit in today's world. But that spirit of error is very much in our world. And it tells you, live the big life, live the high life, live for yourself. It's heady, it's high-minded, it's attractive to anyone and everything. But though it may be attractive, it leads to destruction. It leads to the wrong kind of fire, my brothers and sisters. And we want the fire of the Holy Ghost, amen, in our life. Would you help me clap unto the Lord right now? Jesus, we want your fire in this place. More than anything else, we don't want the fire of judgment. 
That place was not created for human beings. It was created for spiritual beings. And though we are spiritual beings in a body, Lord, we want to be in the right place with the right fire, with the right purification. We want to live for you in a very special way so that your atonement is of a good work and that whenever you look at our works, you only see the works of Jesus. When you look at our works, you don't see a lukewarm soldier or a lukewarm saint, Lord God, but you see somebody who's made a covenant with you, that they've committed to you, God, that I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I have, everything I don't have, it's yours. Whatever I don't have, you will fill it in. Whatever I do have, he will use it. I just need your fire to touch this sacrifice, God. I need your fire. Would you stand with me today and would you lift your hands and would you ask God for a fire to touch your sacrifice? Some of you have forgiven people that don't deserve to be forgiven. Lift your hands and ask for the fire over that sacrifice. Some of you have walked away from situations that you could have stayed in, but you knew it was harmful to your spiritual life. Lift your hands and ask God for the fire over that sacrifice. You've made so many sacrifices in your life. You need fire for it to be atoning. You need fire for it to produce anointing. Jesus, help us to have an understanding that we need to pray the fire into our life, God. Help us, Lord Jesus, and every person in here gets a hold of the fire of God. Just as you fell on the Mount Carmel, God, fall on this place today, I ask it in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Ghost would be here, but also we would be full of the Holy Ghost and the fire, Jesus. That it would set us ablaze once again, that it would fill us with your spirit and give us the ingenuity, the, the ability, the understanding, Lord God, to in just the, the illumination to do what you call us to do in our lives, God. It is a picture of the church today that we are, we are not able to do what you call us to do without the fire of God in our life. We need more anointing. We need more anointing. We need more anointing. Lord God, we need greater atonement. We need greater atonement, Jesus. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name that we be willing to understand that whatever we sacrifice, if we have the fire of God, it will be made good. I'm sorry if you felt you needed to sit on your phone and if you were taking notes, I understand through this sermon, but I'm trying to get somebody on fire for God today. People are just so hypocritical anymore. I don't even understand it. Christians are not letting Kanye West in because he did so much stuff in the world. Either the miracle of salvation is good for, for one person or it's not good for anybody. And I don't know where he's at right now, but I'll tell you what. When was the last time you sacrificed everything for Jesus? I'll wait. When was the last time you gave everything up for the Lord? That's what he's doing. And I don't know if he's going to be straight all the way through. I know he's done a lot in the whole Christian movement of our world is like, take a beat, Kanye. Let's see how long you live for God. Do meet works, do works meet for repentance, as Paul said. I get it. But if somebody comes to an altar with their life and they've sacrificed everything at that altar, don't you think we should go praise God? Paul said, I don't care if they're if they have the wrong motives, at least they're preaching Jesus. That's what Paul said. 
Let him preach. Kanye West is going to reach people that we couldn't even reach. Your Facebook can't reach him. Your platforms of social media can't reach them. He can put out, yes, I've listened to his album. Not because I think he's an amazing musician, but I wanted to see what it was like to come from worldly music to godly music and what that looked like. We might be seeing a Saul to Paul conversion. We don't even know what could be going on right now. But I tell you, if there's no fire in that man's life, his sacrifice will not be anointed. He needs someone to get a hold of him and say, you need the Holy Ghost. You need the fire. I pray somebody is sent to his life that tells him, you need to speak in other tongues. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm not going to judge the man because he's given up everything for Jesus. And so I wonder if there's somebody in this place who's willing to give up as much as he's willing to give up. I don't know why I'm saying all that. It's not on my notes. I obviously went away from my notes for that, but I want you to know that if you don't have a fire in your life, you will go toward the world instead of like Kanye West is coming out of the world. I'm telling you, Justin Bieber came out. He was in all of it. He was world famous. And now he's on a platform singing worship songs. They're coming to the church while people in the church are getting lukewarm and walking into the world. They've been there. They know it's not out there. And we have to receive them when they come. We're only the, we're only the purveyors of anointing. We're only the ones that pray the fire down. If he chooses to purify something that was not pure, let God be glorified. Let God be thanked. Let gratitude go up to the Lord that once was once pure, what once didn't flow with the power of God because of the fire. They are now anointed. What if? What if today we lay some stuff down? This altar's open. I'm done, but I just have to pray. Jesus, grab every single person's heart in this room that feels like they need to go to the world. If the world is coming to the church, help us to run further towards you, Jesus. Help us to run further towards you, Jesus. Let us not meet them and just say, yeah, I'm glad you came out of the world, but let us be the ones who have the light still bright. Let us be the ones that are still holding the torch. Let us be the ones that are not running too fast to where the world can't see the light. Help us, Jesus, not to walk away from you, but Lord, help us have a fire in our life. Help us to be a church on fire. Help us to be a, a beacon of light where those that are famous will want to come. Those that have had the world and know it's not there, they'll come running to you, Jesus. And they'll get on their knees and they'll say, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. He is Lord. I want to do works to serve the King of Kings and Lord.